prophecy. We're going to talk about that today. We talked about tongues or personal prayer language last week. I, I, if, if you haven't, I would really like for you to go back and listen to the podcast, or you can do it um, if you're a little older and podcast freaks you out. It's, it's streaming video where you can just go on our website and click on last week's sermon and just have it come up on your computer and you can listen. Last week it was about a 50-minute sermon, and I did it on purpose, even though I, I, I hate to take that much time, but I felt like I wanted to give a comprehensive viewpoint of how a, a prayer language or a speaking in tongues is valuable to individuals as believers in their lives because God builds us up and he blesses us uh, with it. But I also made the distinguishing difference between a prayer language that's personal and a prayer language that would be a tongue that's for interpretation for the whole body. One is for an individual for the building up. The other is for the building up of the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about the gifts that build up the body, that public setting. And I hope you go back and listen to that because I'm not gonna refer to it much here and there's context there. I won't be able to say everything if you're just coming in for the first time. But prophecy and tongues are very closely related. Uh, God does pretty much the same, uh, very, very much prophetic things in public settings when a tongue is given and then an interpretation. And yet we have guidelines for these things. And so, uh, although I haven't ever addressed probably as comprehensively on a Sunday morning tongues and interpretation in 19 years, I just felt it was a good time for us to do this, take a look at it, and know that it's real and it's in the Word and it's for us. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So here's what we know. Gifts have been abused. People have done wrong things with them, but we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Because right here, the Bible says that these gifts and manifestations are good. It's for the common good. They're not supposed to disappear. And then let's skip to verse 10. It speaks of some of these gifts miraculous powers it says that he gives to another prophecy that's what we're going to talk about today to another distinguishing between spirits to another different or speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another interpretation of tongues this is a church that believes that all the gifts exercised in the new testament are available for today they're good Um, they were functioning in the new testament to show us how they should function that's what acts is about And I think it's interesting that Acts was written over a 30-year period, the book of Acts. So you see all these miracles and you say, well, you know, I don't have that many miracles or awesome things happening and, you know, it's the apostles, so probably not. And yet, for some of you who've known the Lord for a long time, if you started sitting down and writing out all the things God's done in your life and miracles around you, you'd have a book of Acts too. It wouldn't be inerrant and the authoritative word of God, but it'd be a testimony to how the Lord has worked in your life because these things are real. So I, 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 as I speak of this, though, I want you to take out uh, this insert. If you can find it in there, there are several inserts this week. It says, you are safe here. So even though we allow for the gifts and we encourage the gifts to move in this church, you know, most of the gifts in Acts worked on the streets and in homes, right? And yet he talks about believers coming together and working in that setting, which we'll talk about. But just look at this. I try to bring this out once a year or so. This, uh, I want to give credit where it's due, this is really close to something that Jack Hayford wrote. We, 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 when I was in one of his services, I, I, I love the church on the way through the years that's been a man of God that's uh, loved scholarship but also uh, never denied the gifts and allowed the gifts to work and to move. Uh, Jack Hayford is part of the, uh, you, you've probably heard of him, but he's part of the uh, fellowship of Foursquare Churches. And uh, 
he, he wrote this for his church, and we took it and tweaked it a little bit. We need to, I, I actually needed to interpret his stuff. He's so brilliant, so people could understand it. Um, but uh, one brother said he had a dream that Jack Hayford wrote uh, a 200-page book, and it was all one sentence. And if you've heard him, you might understand that. But, but this, is, this is good stuff, and, and I think it, it's protected us through the years. So look at it. You're safe here. So here's what you need to know about when we allow the moving of the gifts. Our freedom in worship will never surrender to fanaticism. So we want to be joyous, uh, but we worship as a choir and chorus, not as soloists in competition. We don't let people run around and do whatever they want in a worship service because we're not here to see them. We're here to focus on Jesus Christ. And if you want to do that in your prayer closet, that's cool. Do it in your prayer closet. But here, we're here for a purpose and we don't want a distraction. You say, I love him. I'm just focusing on him. I could even trust you on that, but everybody else is not focusing on him when you're doing it. They're looking at you saying, what's going on sometimes? Well, we will preempt, uh, even with that, I'm kind of skipping around here in that first point, though, we will preempt both prideful formalism and personal fanaticism. So we allow the moving of the, of the gifts, um, but, but not, they're pastored. I like what someone said. I heard it this week. We are Pentecostal. We allow for the gifts to move, but we're Pentecostals with seatbelts. And, and, and the reason we are is because uh, it's not to restrain the gifts, but do you know the Holy Spirit brings fire? Do you know fire can burn sometimes and people can abuse things? And I've seen lots of people get hurt in the name of the gifts moving when it really wasn't the gifts. And so uh, we have the restraint that the Word offers. We're going to see it today. That, that God offers some caution with the moving of these gifts, but he also really very much adds encouragement that the gifts would move. And so uh, as we look a little further here, our openness, it's second point in bold there, will never allow the exploitation of anyone. That's the whole point of this, to protect and be safe and not exploit anyone or abuse them. I've been in services where people, you know, come by and hit me hard and try to knock me down and uh, it just, it's not right, you know, to, to overdo it, to, and, 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 and so we don't, you know, we don't, we don't want anything that's not genuine or authentic, but we do want authentic, and we're going to protect people along the way, protect the authentic and protect people. Our welcome, next page, uh, to spiritual gifts will never violate the word. The word is our guide. The word of God is inerrant. It's true that the gifts work through people, but it's also true that people make mistakes. The Word of God doesn't, and people do. So we test it, and you'll hear some of that today. And our joyousness, next point, will never degenerate to mere excitability. Uh, I like what Hayford says in the middle of that paragraph. It's underlined for you. Childlike is not childish. So we refuse to be bound to the idea that true simplicity is either glib or emotional. Emotion's good. We don't have a problem with emotion, but emotion shouldn't be what it's about. It's about the genuine, authentic moving of the Holy Spirit. So we want you to know you're safe here. We're Pentecostals with seatbelts, uh, and, and we want to provide that safe atmosphere for you. And so I have to have enough courage to pastor if I think people are out of line. And, uh, you, you know, people come from their traditions. I didn't say this in last year, but they come from their traditions, and their tradition might have been you know, the Whirlybird Church. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but, you know, where everybody dances and spins. And uh, I had a lady say to me once, I'm going to teach these people how to dance. And I said, um, probably not. Uh, you know, I believe in, in, in the whole, and she meant in, you know, like a godly, godly dance. And, um, and I see it in the Bible, but, you know, in, even in the Old Testament tradition, uh, did you know when, when they danced there that the men and women never danced together? Did you know that was part of the Jewish tradition? They never did. 
You won't see it in the Old Testament. It's not there. And usually, the dance that was done in spiritual worship there uh, was choreographed. That's what a lot of people don't realize. Now, David danced before the Lord, right? That was cool. Uh, and, and, and I believe that sometimes the spirit can hit. Uh, when someone gets healed, I give them permission to dance if they were healed because joy is unbelievable in those, in those settings, right? But we're not here to learn to dance. We're here to focus on Jesus. And so we'll pastor, and I, I appreciate traditions. I don't want to knock where somebody came from, but this is Horizon Community Church, and we're trying to follow the Lord according to the way that we believe he's called us and according to the scriptures. And we love our brothers and sisters and uh, I, I don't offer condemnation. I, I'm, I'm sure we don't have it exactly right, but neither do they. And we're all learning and growing, but we have the word to guide us. So we're gonna look at the word today. That was the intro. I think you're in trouble. Uh, point, point one. Point one here as we uh, look at this. Prophecy is preferred above tongues in public services. So I talked about tongues last week and the public use of that. It is allowed in the New Testament, when the believers gathered, that a tongue would come forward, but only if it was going to be interpreted so everyone could understand. However, we see that even though it's allowed, prophecy appears to be preferred, probably for the simple reason that you skip one step that's difficult and you get, you get right to it. And everybody has understanding, but let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So now we can see from that 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 portion is talking about a public tongue that's to be interpreted for the body and a public prophecy because there's these things can happen personally as well we're talking about the public setting let's define prophecy here's what prophecy is uh, as best as I can understand it's on the screen for you prophecy happens when an individual receives and shares a message under the impulse of God's Holy Spirit for the building up of the body of Christ or an individual I want to read it again Prophecy happens, you see it in the Bible this way, when an individual receives and then shares a message under the impulse of God's Holy Spirit for the building up of the body of Christ or an individual. So God says it's for common good. What good is it? It, it helps the body and individuals grow. It's a gift that helps people win in their lives, as simple as I can put it. Um, it's not just foretelling. People have a a misunderstanding, you know, we look at Nostradamus, which really has nothing to do with God, uh, you know, that, that stuff, that's not in the Bible, and we look at, you know, prophecies that's spoken of in the world, and it always means foretelling. It's more than that in the Bible. It can include foretelling about the future, but prophecy is also forthtelling. Sometimes it's a word of instruction, and, and we're going to see how God uses it in very positive ways here in just, just a moment. But God will give a word to an individual or his people because he wants to bless them and lead them. And we follow the guidance of the word, but the word doesn't always tell you where you, the next place is that you should work, does it? it? It might give you safe boundaries so you make sure you're not in the wrong place, right? You don't, you, you, you don't want to work at the convenience store where you're selling uh, pornography, cigarettes, and beer. I, I did that once when I was 19 years old at college. I worked at a convenience store, and 80% of what I sold was pornography and uh, across that counter, and I just couldn't do it. I had to tell them I quit. You know, this, this is not what I'm supposed to be peddling, I'll tell you that. And, and so I couldn't do it. So sometimes the word, it gave me a guide not to do that. But, but sometimes God says, go over here. Remember when the Spirit spoke and told Paul, don't go that direction, go to Macedonia? It's the same for us. He cares so much about you that he would lead you and, and guide you uh, along the way. And let's look at 
1 Corinthians 14.5, so now we're looking at the body and this public ministry of prophecy in a corporate setting, much like this one. And you say, why do you say it's preferred? Here's, here's some more. Now to verse five. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets. So there you see tongues is allowed, right? We're not saying it's forbidden. Uh, so that the church may be edified. But you can see that he says, I'd rather have prophecy in that setting because you're cutting out one step and we're getting right to it and, and there's understanding. So here's how we work this out in this fellowship. You know, we're in a bigger room and if someone yells out, we can't hear. And the word's supposed to be tested anyway. So what I like is if someone feels that God is saying something for this fellowship or in this moment even, I would like them to get to one of the pastors, and there's usually Randy or Doug or somebody right here, whisper in their ear or hand them a note. And there have been many times in this service, sometimes I tell you, sometimes I don't, when a word from the Lord was handed to me. Randy, uh, who, who is uh, very careful and smooth in everything he does, the moment you bow your heads, he'll slip me something sometimes and you don't even see it. And I read it, and in that moment, I try to judge or discern if that's what the Lord has for now. Sometimes I'll judge that it's a good word, but it's not for now. And sometimes I'll, I'll just say, boy, I think the Lord might say that. And sometimes I'll think it's not, and I'll pray, and the Lord say, yeah, I want you to share it. So, but I have to discern. You say, why do you do that? Well, you see here in a moment that the word says test everything, including prophecy. We prefer to test it before it gets to the body rather than after, because that gets a little uncomfortable, right? Where you say, sit down, not right, no good. You know, I, I'd rather not do that to someone or even make an uncomfortable moment in the church. So this allows us, to bring a word forward. It wouldn't be beyond me, and, and uh, we've done it in services before, where I might hand the microphone to someone. You know, the Bible says, know those who labor among you. So I probably wouldn't hand it to someone who was new here. But if I trusted someone and had seen their life for many years and knew that this gift was working in their lives, I might hand them a mic and say, share that with the body. And these are things, this is very similar to the way I saw it happen with Jack Hayford's church, and the word still comes forward and God still blesses it. And it's part of the way that we feel would be best to protect the body and still allow these gifts to move. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand are some unbelievers. Now, let me stop there for just a moment. I have never heard a Pentecostal or Spirit-filled person ever talk about those categories of people who are in this church service when it comes to the gifts. It's in there for a reason. Listen to these categories. Those who do not understand. That might be a brother and sister who doesn't believe that the gifts are for today or hasn't been taught about these gifts. They're a believer, but these things are scary to them. And, and, and the Bible says, I want you to have sensitivity towards those people, right? He loves them, right? If your child didn't understand something and it scared them a little bit, wouldn't you like them to have a nice explanation so they weren't freaked out? As a good mom and dad, you would. God cares about his children too. And then there's another category, some unbelievers, God wants us to be concerned when the gifts move about the unbelievers in the house, those who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And it says this, so when the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some believers come in, will not they say you are out of your mind? And they're talking about people just blurting out in tongues and taking over and doing what they want to do. And Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. They took a good thing. They took good gifts and they started to abuse them. And they were messing things up. And Paul said, stop, you're going too far. You're, you're taking over. And I want God to be in charge. Well, we need to be concerned 
you know, why, why would I prefer prophecy, number one? An unbeliever and those who don't understand are gonna understand the words right away. And, um, and then it, it, can, it can be shared. And every believer, here's what I believe. I, I need to make a distinction, and it's, it's kind of complex, and I'm not sure all of us totally, completely understand it, right? It's kind of like the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. I get it, but it's almost beyond us, right? I kind of don't get it, but it's true, because the word says it is, right? But, but so when we talk about prophecy, every person in here can be given a word of prophecy. I really believe that. Now, that word says, do all prophesy, do all speak in tongues in 1 Corinthians 12, but remember, that's the public setting. So all don't prophesy in a public setting, because that's a unique gift, and all don't uh, speak in tongues in a public setting to be interpreted, because that's a corporate thing. But people can have a prayer language. I believe everyone can, you know? All of them were filled uh, at the upper room. They, they, and I talked about that last, last week. I've seen mass reception of hundreds at one time receiving a prayer language. But, but, but when it comes to the tongue and the service, not everybody has that gift. That's different. And so let me, let me make a distinction now. We talk about tongues. Let's talk about prophecy. Uh, so we look at prophecy in 1 Corinthians 12, and that's, that's a word that is given to the fellowship. And, and, and I believe that God can work in that. But then you look at Ephesians 4.11 where it says there's a gift there and, the, and there's, a, there's a gift that is called the prophet gift. And one is a message for now in 1 Corinthians 12, but the other is a call and an anointing on a person's life. And in, in Ephesians 4.11, it's not quite the same, though it works the same. It's a gift that's for the body of Christ on a person for good on a regular basis. And uh, that is a life in that passage. Now, I believe that that gift in Ephesians 4.11 is more about foretelling than foretelling. And I believe that a lot of things, you know, we talk about the difference between preach and teach. I think the prophet is the preacher and the teacher in Ephesians 4.11 is, is the teacher. They're two, they're two different gifts. The prophet boldly proclaims and they come strong and they have a word. And often there is some foretelling in it, but mostly it's foretelling. And that's why some have said, when the preacher's preaching and someone interrupts with the gifts, the gift of prophecy is happening. Why would we interrupt it with another, with, with another gift? And I've, I've heard it explained that way. But something for you to think about. But all of us, you and I, every one of us, can have a message that the Lord would speak to us to share with someone else. Now, there should be a certain attitude that we, and, and certain guidelines that, that if we share, we should be careful about. And let me give further explanation. So as we look at this, I just want you to know it's not always easy to determine if it's really for the body or not when something publicly happens. And you have to make a call. And so that's why we're, you know, we're asking that it it come in a a word that's whispered in our ears or a note or, um, you you know, give us a chance to to give it some, you know, to judge it before it comes forward and to test it maybe is a better way to say that. Um, But I remember... uh, you know, people get out of line, they mean well. I remember one preacher, a godly guy, as far as we knew. He was at a district council many years ago in the Assemblies of God in Eugene, Oregon. And, uh, and this is kind of a famous story. I've heard it told a bunch of different times from old preachers, um, but I wasn't there that day. A preacher got up, went to the microphone and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord, the Lord would speak to you and say, and he just stopped. Really awkward pause. He stepped back up after a moment and said, God wants to speak, and here's what he wants to say. And he paused. And he stepped up. Now it's getting uncomfortable. And he says, the Lord would speak to you and say, and he stopped. And then he lifted his head after a moment and said, 
what in the world did the Lord want to say? And he went and sat down. Well, I want to give him credit for the fact that he eventually came to the realization that he didn't have the word, right? He was trying way too hard in that setting. Um, but, if, but if you'll allow us to hear that word and, and to bring it forth in a way that's decent in order, we believe that that gift can really truly uh, bless the body. We prefer that you speak to a key leader or write it down and then we'll give it that, that possibility of coming before the body. And, and here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It's talking about prophecy. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. So even though there's some restraint in that seatbelt thing, the restraint is not supposed to keep the gifts from happening. We need the gifts today. I'll speak more about the importance of this in just a moment. But look what verse 21 says, talking about this gift of prophecy coming forward. Test everything. Every prophecy that is given, it's fair for it to be tested by the leaders and by the individual who might receive that prophecy. And if someone comes to you saying, God said this and I know he said it and you have to take it, no matter what, I don't like their spirit. Because you're telling me we can't test it like the word says? We can't pray about that? We can't ask, uh, you know, someone that we're close to how it sounds to them? We can't let the Lord speak to our spirits further to determine whether this is true? Hey, your words are not the inerrant word of God. God can speak a word through you, but there should be a spirit of humility when a word comes. And, and I'll say this, the prophet, nowhere in the Bible, the prophetic word, uh, it, it, that, that prophet's not supposed to speak it and force it upon people. They're not, they don't even stick around to convince people. You give the word, and then you get out of there and let people determine whether it was God. It's up to them and God whether they'll, whether they'll receive it. If it was the Lord, you don't have to push it. Uh, but but it's, it's his opportunity to gracefully uh, provide instruction, direction, and blessing into people's lives. And then they have, to, they have to judge that and determine for themselves. It says, test everything, hold on to the good. And then it says, let everything be done fittingly in, in an orderly way. And that's why we allow for the gifts, but we try to be careful to make sure that it's really the Lord that's moving among us and saying something when it happens. Second thought today. Prophecy is meant to enlighten, encourage, and strengthen others. I have a little bit of a problem with the prophetic word coming in an angry spirit. <laughs> um, it, just, it just doesn't seem right to me. And, and when it's coming to the body, and we see this, it's meant to enlighten, encourage, and strengthen. It's all positive. These, these words are positive words trying to help us. Now, there could be a warning in that. I'll receive that because it says that unbelievers, when they hear the word of prophecy, uh, they'll know that they're sinners, right? So that's kind of a warning, right? But the, the spirit is sweet and it's love and it's restoration and its purpose is, is to, to bring someone closer, not condemn them. And, and so as we look at this, it says in, in verse three of 1 Corinthians 14, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's where I got that in that point. Those are words that came directly from the scriptures. Now, you know about 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, right? You know that. Uh, and, and we use that for marriage and love relationships with our children and, and family and friends. And I believe that's appropriate. But that is not the context of 1 Corinthians 13. If you look at verse 12 that leads up to chapter 13 that we call the love chapter and verse 14, it's sandwiched talking about prophecy, tongues, and the moving of the gifts. 
1 Corinthians 13's first purpose is to show us the spirit in which these gifts should move. That's its primary purpose. It works for other things because love is love and God is love and these are his characteristics. But it was written to show us that the people who use the gifts, how they should function. And you'll see a spirit of humility in it for sure, not pride. And even when you get to to chapter 13, the first few verses are about gifts, prophecy and tongue, and then the verses afterwards, right after uh, verses four through eight that talk about love, it's about the gifts again. So the two chapters and then within the chapter. The context definitely is the moving, the spirit that the gifts should move in. That's what the context is for 1 Corinthians 13. So let's keep that in mind and let's read. Let's read the first part of that chapter to show what I'm saying is true. If I speak in tongues of men, see how the chapter starts, and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, so now we've heard it, here they are, he's speaking about the gifts, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Then let's go to verse four. Here's the love chapter, talking about the context is the gifts. Love is patient. So where's the angry spirit? Do it now, I'm in charge, I'm the spiritual dude, I'm the spiritual king, queen, whatever. Where's that coming from? Love is kind. Does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. I have these gifts and you don't, you must submit. Wrong spirit. It is not rude. It's a context of the way the gifts should move. It's not self-seeking. You ever have someone give you a word that sounded a lot like what they said previously when they were trying to win an argument? You know, God has said what I said is basically the word they bring. Uh, no, that might be self-seeking for your own opinion. It, that's, that wouldn't be the Lord's. Matter of fact, if it was the Lord, he'd probably use someone else in that setting to, to show that what you said was right. It is not easily angered. Why the angry spirit? Why, why the pride? It, it wouldn't be God if it's happening in that. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, you know, that little insert we had, you're safe here. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So we look at this, and as we look at the gift of prophecy, I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in those chapters that prophecy is given um, prominence. When it, I mean, he, they, he zeroes in, especially, he says, prophecy. And it's mentioned, uh, th- that word or the form of the word prophecy, 20 times in those three chapters. And I think what Paul's trying to say is, look, we have to be careful with these gifts. People are getting out of control with tongues. They're still good. Uh, but, but, so he's providing some caution, but he comes back around, and that's what I want to do today, is come back around and let you know that the reason for these gifts is God wants to bless his church. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you some extra weapons to win with. And, and, and these manifestations of the Spirit are of Him. Even though people make mistakes, but we get to judge and we can see that in our history that, that He's given us words at times that bless our lives. It's in the Bible because it's a great blessing to believers. God wants us to know that He sees us. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. He wants to guide you more than you want to be guided. He wants to give you answers more than you're asking for. And sometimes when you're just exasperated, he's so loving and so wonderful that he'll show up with one of the gifts in an amazing way to bless your life. And you will say, wow, he knows where I'm at and he's for me and he's leading me. He wants us to reach our full potential in him. So he gives us this 
extra supernatural uh, additive called the manifestation of the Spirit to help us win and to help us win others. So let me give you some positive examples of things that have happened in my life. And, and these things, uh, some of you have been used in the gift of prophecy and you don't even know it. As a matter of fact, I've seen preachers who are cessationists don't believe that the gifts function today. I've heard them preach and heard the gift of prophecy working through them. They don't even believe it and it's happening in their lives. You know, it's like, wow, dude, you should believe it because you're actually functioning in it, you know. And, and some of you, you, you know, you, you're praying and you feel like you, you have this, this thought that hits your heart that's for your friend that you care about and, and you've just shared in, in a loving way, you know, I was praying for you and I just had this thought and it was actually a word of prophecy that you shared and it can be shared humbly. It doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord. If it's God, they'll get it. But when you share it with that loving spirit and they take it, that's prophecy and, and some of you have worked in that gift and don't even know it. But it's, 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 it's the Lord leading his children. So here's some examples of where I've seen it happen in my life. When I was 12, I was riding with my dad in Modesto, California, the armpit of California. And, and, and uh, great people there, but ugly land. And, and we're, we're riding along in 105 degree weather. And, and um, my dad says to me, just he and I, son, I've been talking to the Lord about you. And I believe he spoke to me and said that you're going to be a pastor. Now, this is a word of prophecy. In retrospect, we can see these things, right? A distance removed. And I said to him, Dad, I don't want to be a pastor. He said, yeah, well, I wasn't asking you what you wanted to do. I was just telling you that I feel that the Lord spoke to me and said you're going to be. And I said, well, I don't want to be. And that, just that, you know. Along the way, there were two or three, actually three distinct times I can remember where somebody praying over me would give a word about me being a pastor. And the first three times, I did not want to receive it. Just a young guy, didn't want that to be true. As it turns out, it was pretty much the Lord <laughs> leading in those days in those ways. And then I think of uh, another time in my life where I was a 26-year-old youth pastor in Salem, Oregon. Um, there's a position called the district youth director uh, where uh, the Assemblies of God will bring in... Uh, a pastor who will oversee all the youth ministries in the state of Oregon. And that position came available and they asked me to interview for the position at, at 26. I was the youngest one interviewing. Well, here was my thought in that whole process. Yeah, I'm not gonna get that job because number one, I'm, I'm way younger than all the youth pastors in this state. So how can I minister to them? This is my reasoning. And number two, I knew the other three guys and every one of them were more qualified and more spiritual than me. That's the way I saw it. So I was pretty sure that God would choose someone else. I didn't take it that seriously. I thought, because my dad encouraged me to, well, I'll interview, but I'm not getting the job. And so I was just kind of going through the motions, not thinking about it much, and in a place in my life where I knew I was transitioning, but I did not think that would be it. So we went to a district event where a lot of pastors come together, and one of my friends, who's a pastor in Woodburn, Oregon, still there, came up to me and said, oh boy, I felt like the Lord spoke to me about you on the way over here. I said, Really? What'd he say? And he said, oh, I'm kind of nervous to tell you because I'm afraid I could be wrong, but it just keeps coming. I feel like I got to tell you, you judge. And he was very humble about it. I said, what is it? And he spoke really directly and specifically when I asked. He said, God told me you're going to be the next district youth director and you need to prepare your heart because it's coming. Now, I wasn't sure I believed it at that moment, but you know, when Mary was given the word about something that was going to happen for her, in her case, this amazing prophecy, she'd give birth to the Christ child, 
She pondered these things in her heart, right? So, so I think it's good when you receive a word to prayerfully ponder the word. And um, unbelievably, it was like a, um, you, you know, when, the Samuel, when Samuel the prophet called um, the sons forward and there are all these sons and he said, no, it's not that one, not that one. And it was a young David, it, although that's way more uh, powerful, the king of a nation than this position I was speaking of. When they brought me into that place, God made it obvious that he had called me to do it. And all these guys selected me, and it was true. And as I look back, I can see that I prepared my heart. I had to say, Lord, if you're in it, then I opened my heart. And then he started to speak to me, and then he brought it about. And I think he had to speak to me for me to start to prepare, because I wasn't thinking that way. And God is gracious, and he'll show us. And if those don't move you, let me tell you about a story um, you know, Dick Foth, you guys love Dick Foth, right? He speaks here once a year. He's coming again this year. Um, uh, Dick is just a charming speaker and an amazing storyteller, but he's very much an intellectual. He's brilliant. And intellectuals can sometimes, they, they take their own mind and, and they think God thinks almost as good as them if they're not careful, you know? And, and so having a great intellect can, can really be a deterrent if you're not careful and realize his intellect's way better than yours. And so you have to receive what he, what he says at times. And Dick, Dick does that. Dick is brilliant, but he can, he, he can receive what the Lord says and, and the moving of the Spirit. So we had a table of guys, we're all sitting around, and pastors talking about the gifts and places they've been abused, and some who aren't letting them function. And Dick just listened. He's kind of papa in this setting. You know, he's older than us and been through a lot more than us. And at the end, here's what he said. Well, because there are guys on both sides. Should they move? Should they not? How we open, you know, this discussion. Dick said, let me tell you a story. It's always been meaningful to me. He said, when I was an associate pastor in the Midwest, one Saturday, I was in a coffee, uh, uh, in a restaurant having coffee, and a, a, a young lady came in that I knew, and I, and I invited her to church. And she said, oh, I can't go to church there. She said, it's been five years since I've been to church, and I trust me, God and his people don't want me coming in there. She said, the roof and the walls would fall down if I walk in that place. I've not, uh, you know, lived a real righteous life. He said, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Come, it, it, it'd be, it, you know, we'd love to have you, and God wants you there, and we want you there too. But she said, no, I'm not coming. So he left, and then, to his surprise, on a Sunday morning, in a service, he saw her come in. He thought, great, she came, that's cool. And then during the service, this worship's going on, and there came a moment where a guy, it was a smaller church, gave a word of prophecy, and he gave it out loud. And he's a guy who didn't know. As a matter of fact, this lady would ask Dick later, did you tell him? No, I didn't have any conversations. Here's what the prophecy started with. Five long years I have waited for you. Five years I've longed to wrap my arms around you. I love you. I'm drawing you to me. Surrender your heart and let me bless you. Something like that. I don't have it exactly because Dick said it and I'm trying to repeat it. But the five long years thing was there. Doesn't it make sense that God would speak in such a way to people sometimes about things that no one else could know that they would say truly he's among you? As a matter of fact, that's what the scriptures say. Look at verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 14. But if all of you are prophesying, as opposed to tongues now, and believers or people who don't understand these things, same categories, those who don't know or those who don't believe about the gifts, now you're prophesying instead of speaking in tongues, when they come into your meetings, they will be convicted of sin and they will be condemned by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be laid bare and they will fall down on their knees and worship God, declaring, 
God is really here among you. You see how the gifts can be used in an amazing way to draw people. They really are wonderful. Now let me add some boundaries here for these gifts functioning. Uh, Beware of the so-called prophet who directs people's lives. (laughs) No one person, I mean it's, you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's like going to a new age uh, person and saying, hey, predict the future for me. Some people try to do prophecy that way, and it's not that way in the New Testament. You don't go to a person and say, give me a word about what the Lord says. Uh, it's, not, it's not the way it works. God gives a word when he so sees fit, and there's not one person that you go to direct your spiritual life. Um, these, these, these things will just show up at, at spontaneously at times that God desires for them to show. So don't let the person fulfill that prophetic office and push the word out of your life because you're just listening to them. Because, hey, hey, you have a hard enough time guiding your own life. Someone else is not going to do it as well, as well as you can when you listen to the Lord. Although the Lord uses these gifts. So let me give you a couple examples. Years ago, about 12 years ago, uh, maybe 11, we were at the old site and... Um, I'm greeting people as they come into the church and and a brother said to me, I think well-intentioned, said to me, uh, God spoke to me and told me you're leaving this church. And then he said, are you leaving? And I don't know what rose up in me, but I said, yeah. And I pointed to a schematic on the wall of this new campus and I said, I'm going from here to there. And he said, why would God speak to me and tell me you're leaving if you're not? said, you know, maybe you should ask him about that. Because the truth was, God hadn't spoken to him. And I knew the moment I heard it that it wasn't right. I think he was kind of hoping I would go, maybe. You know, and, and so he's kind of interjecting his own, his own thoughts in there. And that can happen, right? You, you and I might have done that before, too. I believe this guy was a spiritual guy who loved the Lord. But he didn't have it right. And no matter how much of a man or woman of God people are who give you a word, they are fallible. The word of God isn't fallible, but the word of man is. And so that's why it must be tested, as we said. And perhaps there's a good portion of what they said that's right. You know, it says test everything and hold on to the good. That means there might be some stuff in there that wasn't so good, right? And, and, and it might totally be worthless and it might be a portion of it that resonates. But it has to be te- tested. And, and, and then there was a, a young lady when I was 17, she was 14. She came up to me in Dallas, Oregon, where I was a teenager and said, God spoke to me and told me that you and I were supposed to be married. Well, I'm telling you, I knew in the very instant that her and I weren't going to be married. <laughs> and I tried to be nice, but I said, uh, you know, I, that's, I'm, I'm just telling you that's not going to happen, you know. You're a nice girl, and I know God loves you, but th- that wasn't the Lord. She said, you have to receive it because God told me. I said, no, because he didn't tell me. And, and, and so people will insist upon things sometimes and when it's not right. So, so what are the boundaries for these things? Um, here, here's a few. We should never receive a word that is shared as prophecy to us without further confirmation in our lives. Don't let one person just guide you. Let the Bible guide you. Let, let God speak to you in other ways. He'll confirm it in a number of ways if it's true. Hold it in your heart. Judge it. Test it. But don't just receive it because someone says it. And there it says, test everything again. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21. And then just this thought, which I've spoken a little bit. In the New Testament, people were never instructed to go to a prophet and ask them for a word from the Lord. 
So you don't go to someone and say, hey, would you give me a word? My dad has this gift of prophecy. You know what he says to people when they come to him for that? Yeah, I'll give you a word. Get in the Bible. Most of what God wants to say to you is in there. Rather than just going to a person and getting, God lets this gift move spontaneously uh, and he gives this word to individuals at churches as he sees fit. It's not, you know, you go to someone and they just tell you. It's not that. It's a spontaneous thing when he chooses to move. And then see, no word that is opposed to the inspired revelation, which is the Bible, from God's word should ever be received. If it's opposed to the word of God, um, you know, God told me to take my money and run because people cheated me, so I'm going to cheat them back. No, because <laughs> that's opposed to the word of God. And, and, and so you follow the truth of the word of God. And the Bereans uh, were seen as noble of character because they received the message with eagerness, but they examined, see it in 1711 of Acts, they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's fair and right and good. The word is our boundaries. That's what's inerrant. And um, I just want you to know, you'll, you'll never get all the revelation of God by just listening to the Holy Spirit. People who are into the spirit thing and not into the word thing are the scariest Christians alive. Because I believe they're susceptible to evil spirits leading them. Because the word of God is our standard. It's our guidelines. It's our safety net. And, um, and, and so a person that always has a word but is never in the word is really scary to me. And, and, and so... Um, we, we just need to be careful that the inerrant word of God, we know that that is our protection boundary and that's where blessing resides. And that people are fallible, even though they might, the Lord can use them, they're fallible, the word of God is not. Third thought here, I'm running late again, but I'm gonna fly right now. We, we are to eagerly desire the gifts, especially prophecy. God's gifts make a supernatural difference. If you didn't hear anything, hear this today. You need the supernatural difference that the gifts make. I love the cable, the message that Winston Churchill sent Roosevelt during the war. They didn't have all the resources to win in England, but here's what Churchill said to Roosevelt. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. Baby, I heard that and I thought, that's it when it comes to these supernatural gifts. Jesus said, I'm leaving, I'm sending your helper, the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna give you the tools to finish the job. And that is the bottom line. We need these gifts moving in our lives. Don't throw these things out because someone else abused them. You're gonna miss some of the greatest blessing. You're gonna miss victory. You're gonna hear how, how to be prevented from disaster. You're gonna have power to move into a situation that God says move when you may not have and he's gonna show up mightily and get it done because his spirit will work through you. You're not the gift, but his gift works through you. We need these things. Here's a prophecy that was given. I just want you to hear it. Um, in our church at the old site on November 19th, 2000, right after a message, some of you might remember it, that I preached on the prayer of Jabez and talked about this new vision coming forth. I can't believe it to this day. We were down at the altar and, and one person just spoke out while we were at the altar. And we all just got quiet and we listened. And unbelievably, it was picked up on the microphone. And we didn't know it until till a few years later and someone said, hey, I was listening to this. Look at this. It's word for word. So we copied it down at that time and here's what the word said. It was a prophecy given to the body in the 9 a.m. service on November 19th, 2000. 
So my servant has been faithful to teach my words today. I will grant the words that he has preached. I will give unto this body a blessing. I will give unto this body a present in the midst of thee. I will go before you and I will find the properties you're looking for. Just so you know, as I look back at that, I saw something I've never seen before. We weren't looking for properties. We were looking for property, like one big one. But it was a conglomeration of several transactions that we made. It was prophecies as it so ended and came about and we're on those lands today. But at this time, we didn't have this land. We just had a promise that the Lord had brought to us and it emboldened us and it encouraged us. And you look at the hundreds of lives that have been changed through the high school and what the Lord's done and the ministries coming forward. It makes sense that he would say, hey, this is of me, go for it. Because we might not if he doesn't speak to us, right? He, we need the courage that he would give us. I will multiply what you lay your hands to. I will bless you. Have faith and believe in me. And I want you to know that that's an ongoing word for us. We're not done. Have faith. I will multiply. I will provide for you. You have little because you ask little. Ask much and I'll give you much. Seek me and you will find me and the doors will be open for I am the Lord God who does great things. Well, in retrospect, we can see, wow, he did some stuff. Millions of dollars came in. People stepped up. People with gifts, administrative gifts, came to help our school. It was just unbelievable. People who didn't attend here, God moved their hearts for the things that he called us to. And did you know we had the equivalent of five $1 million gifts that was given to us, whether through land or, or, or a donation? That's wild. We haven't had it happen since. It was a season. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. <laughs> but right, there's seasons for things, right? Planting, ha- harvesting, watering. I believe we're coming to another harvest time. I really do. But you see how God will use the gifts and they'll work. And in retrospect, sure, we can know more. But he'll give you a personal word sometimes that will really encourage you and embolden you towards the future that he's given you. As a matter of fact, when you're about ready to turn away, he'll say, nope, nope, nope. Here's a word. Stay on track. Stay on track. And I want to end with this. Um, how, how, how do you work in this gift? Because I think part of what's supposed to happen, I want to encourage you that the Lord can use you this way. And I want to encourage you to receive, to open your heart to the possibility that God can speak to you this way through another person, the gift of prophecy. As a matter of fact, if you see on your card, it says, I open my heart, you know, next step, or uh, Lord, I'm willing for you to use me. And so those are next steps you might just... Part of it, has to, our walls have to fall down before God. He will not violate your will. <laughs> he just won't. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman in that sense. He will not violate your will. If you don't want the gifts to work in you, they won't. He won't make you. But he'll use you and he'll use others to bless you in a great way. So the very first time that I was ever used in, in this gift, I was a college student married at George Fox in Newburgh, attending the Assembly of God Church there. We'd had an altar service on a Sunday night. We prayed for a long time and I went back and sat in my seat and we're just kind of hanging out in prayer that night. And I felt the Lord spoke to me directly. It was an impulse. It wasn't audible, but it was very distinct. And I just, I felt like I heard this thought. It's the only way I know to say it. I heard this thought. And, and uh, the thought was, go to Kent Minor, who was praying up there. He's over 50, an elder in the church, had been there for years, very godly man. Go to him and tell him that I have called him I am gonna, he is going to be a pastor and I'm gonna use him in full-time ministry. And I was like, what? Where did that, what? That's, God, is that you? And it was just, honestly, I was just perplexed at first because I'd never been used in this gift before. And, and in my, here's my thought, very logical. God, Kent knows you better than I do. Just tell him. If that's you, just tell him. 
And, and, um, and then I heard it again. You know, I just, it, this impression came to me. Same words, very distinct. And I'm kind of nervous now. You know, and I'm kind of, oh man, I just, like, like, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong, right? I kind of appreciate that thought because there's some humility there. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to say something that's not true, that's not right. But I'd rather miss trying than miss not trying, right? Because the gifts will never move if we never try, right? You're probably not going to get it right every time, but just be humble and learn and grow. So twice I heard it, and then, the, okay, now I said, okay, God, if this is you, oh boy, this is weird, I'm really feeling this. Have Kent turn and look at me right now. Well, he's down at the altar praying, and God is my witness. He raised up on an elbow, and he looked right back at me before those words got out of my mouth. And he looked me right in the eye. He doesn't remember it, but it happened. I about wet my pants. I just thought, oh. And then I said, God, if this is really you, you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to, because I'm scared, right? And then I thought, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. So I went up there, and I remember sharing in tears. Can't, I don't get it. I just feel like the Lord's speaking to me. You, you judge it if it's, but here's what I thought I heard. The Lord says he has called you. You're going to be a pastor, and, and you're going to be sent out soon. And he just started to weep. I mean, for about five minutes, and then finally put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, I said, I, I, I asked him why he wouldn't tell you. And he said, let me tell you, son, because I'm like 21, and he's 51, and he's a very godly man. He said, let me tell you, son, three times in my life the Lord has spoken to me and told me personally that I was going to be a pastor. All these years, and it's never happened. And in the last several months, I'd convinced myself that it, had just, it was just me. Now it made sense why he used someone else to talk to him, right? Because he would have just sloughed it and said, no, that must not be him because it hasn't happened. And here's, here's the, the kicker. At the end, uh, in the end, within six months, he was a pastor in New England and nothing was moving till then. And I'm not saying that to be prideful because I didn't do anything. I almost didn't do it. I'm just saying that sometimes he will choose you, the pure in heart. He'll give a word to speak to his child that he loves so much. And I just want you to open up to receiving these gifts. Hey, boundaries, safety, decent and in order. Don't just take it as authoritative. And, you know, there's ways to test it beyond those moments. But understand he does this stuff. And he'll work in you and through you and he'll bring others to you at times. And when you get, take the word and confirmation in other ways, uh, you, and you follow, you'll see blessing. 